The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, not Chris Schmidt. Chris Schmidt, currently, I believe, on an airplane. At last check, he was uh, sitting at an airport bar, uh, claiming to be drinking Bartons. Not sure why you'd be doing that to yourself on a trip down to Arizona. But Chris, going down to enjoy the the sunshine uh, and the weather in Arizona. But I mean, when I look outside here, it's just as good here. Uh, I don't know about that, Elijah. Uh, heard, I, I was getting outside and getting my suntan on today. I've heard from many people that the, uh, well, and myself included, that the Chili's airport is, uh, you know, heaven, close to heaven. It's like a magnet. It, it pulls you in. I think Schmidt uh, fell victim to the uh, Chili's at the airport. <laughs> the old Chili's inside the airport trick gets, gets you every time. Cause, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's just like, I think like four Chili's at the, uh, the Chicago airport at O'Hare. Four. Yeah, like I remember like walking past the Chili's and being like, wow, there's a ch-. and then like there was another Chili's that was like a smaller version of the Chili's. There was no bar at the second Chili's. There was just a food. You could, do, you could do a bar crawl at all the Chili's at the Chicago airport. <laughs> Happy 21st birthday. We're going to the Chicago airport. going to go hit Chili's. Let's do it. <laughs> um, no, but the weather here is actually like. It's not bad. It's not bad. I can deal with 41. It's like this. It's supposed to be 50s by the weekend. Okay. Um, looking into next week, mid 50s all next week. Yesterday, I got out and uh, and shoveled off a basketball court so it would be ready come this weekend. Because I was thinking, like, there was still, like, the – like, it wasn't a whole bunch of snow down in the basketball court that I was at. It was at the uh, the one next to the Malone Center. Okay. Uh, downtown. Yeah, I'm familiar. And uh, d- double rims down there are terrible. I'm just going to let you know. I was, I was shooting around, and, man, I was bricking everything. Just Yikes. Because those rims are just – Well, nothing new. But nothing, continue nothing the story. I'll continue, yeah. Uh, the – the snow is just so wet and heavy really? that my back is so, like I'm not like I'm a, I'm a young guy who like I shovel my house out every time it snows like I deal with it and like I wasn't ready for how heavy that snow was going to be yesterday like despite the warm weather but the nice thing is, is now that I got that court shoveled off maybe it was a good uh, good deed for the community the community can go play basketball there but more importantly there I can now go. go play basketball there on Saturday once it uh, just dries out just a little bit more I think we need a little more meltage um so that the uh, the snow will go away, like the rest of it, that is. Sure. Like the, the, the stuff on the auxiliaries, the, the edges of the court, yeah. will, will then disappear. And then once that happens, the court will dry out. And it'll be good for basketball. There's Elijah Herbal uh, helping the community, as you heard right here. I, I am. I mean, I am community first at all times. It's very nice of you. Um, let's get into some Husker football news, though. That's why uh, everyone's listening to this show. <laughs> as uh, the, the theme since about this weekend has been Deshaun Woods and Devin Jackson, uh, the two very talented uh, Omaha standouts who have chosen to not include Miami, or excuse me, Nebraska in their top five, instead uh, opting for uh, Miami 
as well as Texas A&M. Um, there's a couple differences among their two lists, but generally um, it seems like these guys do want to go play together. Mitch Sherman, uh, we talked with Mitch yesterday on the show. Uh, he put out uh, a story this morning uh, on The Athletic. If you don't have a s- subscription to The Athletic to get Mitch's content, I, I highly recommend it. Mitch Sherman just puts out a great story after great story on uh, The Athletic. And, and he profiled these two, um, how, they've, how they kind of met, how they had came up together playing football. Um, they, too, go to two different schools up in Omaha, um, but they still are very fast friends that want to go attend uh, college together. And whenever it really started for these two uh, was middle school, playing football together. Uh, that was for uh, the Omaha Boys and Girls Club. We had Deshaun Woods, who at the time was nicknamed Little Sue. Little Sue. There you go. Got to recruit him. Good nickname to have. But, I mean, these guys haven't included Nebraska in their top five at all. And they, they kind of discussed that a little bit uh, in the story. But first, I just want to get to the, the fact. I was looking back six years ago when these guys were kind of taking off in their football careers of sorts. Nebraska was under Mike Riley still. And, and there was still, I think, a little hope around uh, the, cons- or the idea of Mike Riley bringing Nebraska. The Calabrasca movement was very real. But since that sixth grade year that these guys have had, they're now juniors in high school, Nebraska's only had one winning season. It was that kind of, I'd even call it an optical illusion of a year. Remember Nebraska started the year like 6-0? and It was the fake ID year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where, where like Nebraska at one point reached like, I think I want to say 10th in the country. Yeah, I think we peaked when we beat at Indiana. Yeah, we almost lost That's that game to Indiana too. Like Indiana was not good that year at all. Um, and we still almost found a way to lose to them on the road. It's like a half full stadium or something like that. That's like, right. And th- and whenever I saw that game, I was like, "We're not as good this year as uh, the national media wants us to be." And no, I, I think there is a a thought that the national media, I think, while they were able to to capitalize, and while they are still capitalizing on Nebraska's uh, down years that we've had for the past decade or so, um, they know it gets clicks. I, I think what'll get more clicks is Nebraska being good. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and you think you would think that that would come. Um, but it, it's not coming if guys like Deshaun Woods and Devin Jackson aren't putting Nebraska in the top five. That's correct. And uh, there's a, a really telling quote in here uh, in this story from Mitch uh, who discussed um, just why these guys don't want Nebraska. Uh, Devin Jackson says, uh, let's find the quote. Uh, I've never had any desire to go to Nebraska. People in this state try to force that on you, and I'm kind of hard-headed and stubborn. So it's like, no, I'm not going to just because they're not the program that they were. It's like they're living in the past. You just have to move on from that. Uh, g- good for him, I think. That's a Seriously. Th- that's a scathing quote to put out from being a, uh, someone who was raised in the state of Nebraska, though. It is. I mean, It's but hard, but I get it. I, I get I it. I do, too. I mean, we can't expect every single kid that, to, that grows up here to go to Nebraska, it's, it's not going to happen. We've it has it's been happening for years now. We, it, it, who cares? I mean, I, this, they're good, yes, but let them go where they want to go. That's the point. Like, he, I think he's he's pointing out great. He I, give I him see the two pressure. sides to this. The, the Nebraska fan in me says we're never going to be good if we can't lock down the guys that are within our home state. And, and we have got we gotten guys like Nick Henrich, Thomas Fedoni, who who wasn't technically a Nebraska guy, but he is. Close enough. Iowa, Grew up a Nebraska yeah. fan. Council Bluffs is just like little Omaha. Sure. Little worse Omaha. Yeah, good point. <laughs> and, and we're getting guys like that, but still last year, Nebraska lost two of the top three guys. Avante Dickerson uh, leaving as well as uh, Keegan Johnson. 
both going elsewhere outside the state of Nebraska. And next year, it seems destined that the top two guys, again, not going to be coming to the University of Nebraska. So if you can't lock down this in-state talent, where is the talent going to be coming from? Especially in a, a COVID time where guys can't make official visits to campus. They can't come see what the program's all about. <laughs> what, I mean, think about it. When you look at the country, where is the talent at? No, it's Texas. You know, it's, it's Texas. It's Florida. California. Um, California. And, and you can even see the same thing happening in the Pac-12, where recently the Pac-12 hasn't been able to lock down their own California talent, their own West Coast talent. See those guys going to the SEC, even going to the Big Ten. You had the Calabrasco move, and look what's happening to the SC, or to the Pac-12. The Pac-12 doesn't have a team last year, two years ago, even probably coming up this year, that is going to be a true threat to make the college football playoff because they can't lock down their own talent that they have in their own footprint. And if Nebraska can't lock down the own talent, their own talent in the footprint, I don't see a, a path to them reaching any relevancy. And by relevancy, I mean big, in the uh, conversation for a Big Ten championship in that conversation for winning the Big Ten West. Because if you can't lock down the guys that are within the state, how are you going to go to Texas and sell the brand of Nebraska? Now, one would argue, though, that recruiting has been okay. You know, if you look at our division, it's close. It's like second, right? And I would argue, okay. I would argue that the class of 2021 that was just signed is the most well-scouted out of the uh, out of the classes that Scott Frost has had a chance to sign at his time at Nebraska. It, okay. The, the guys don't always pop off the page and scream, this guy's an instant difference maker. Um, but that's not how the schools like Northwestern, Wisconsin, Iowa, the teams that are good in the Big Ten West, that's not how they that's not how they do things. They don't go looking at the stars. They don't get this guy because he's a big play and he's the fastest guy in the field, even though he's five foot six. They fit the guy they get the guys that are going to come in and fit the system. A guy like Thomas Fedoni. A guy like Randolph Kapai. Crossing my fingers when I look at a guy like Heinrich Harburg. Tall, still has some wheels on him. From the high school tape I see, looks like he can be a, a field general of sorts, a guy that can lead the offense. I, I see well-scouted people and well-scouted talent, well-scouted recruits. Guys that have a, an actual place in this Nebraska offense, and it seems like the coaches have a plan of how they want to develop them. I think that makes sense just because whenever you come into a school like Nebraska, you now have three years to recruit a class of 2021. That's what the coach, Husker coaching staff has had. They've been able to look at these guys since they were sophomores in high school and evaluate the talent and really, really um, put their nose to the grindstone and scout these guys. I get it. But, but you know, b- back to when, to, to these guys committing out of high school, I think the recruiting landscape has changed. And you mentioned the Pac-12. You know, these guys are willing to just go wherever. You know, the, the thought of mm-hmm. staying in state is, you know, I think it's, slowly decreasing i really do you know these guys want to you know travel see the country you know how you and i think right we're young you know how these kids are they're on social media they're seeing what all these places look like especially especially when they've been locked in their homes for the past year in a state like california with all these lockdowns they have their the 6 p.m curfew or whatever i mean it's california these guys want to go and see the world in california and it's got to be the same in nebraska not only that but it's college right you and i are about to graduate we we're getting done with it these guys see on social media like these crazy parties over at Arizona State, you know, <laughs> down in California, down in Miami. You know, who, why come here? Obviously, you know, it's a good time and all, but, you know, 
It looks good, man. Why not go there? They see the women going to Arizona State. They see the live cowherds of the world. I think it's changed. <laughs> I think the tradition of, you know, staying in state, it's still kind of there. You know, obviously, people still love the Huskers that grow up here and have told themselves I'm playing for them no matter what, you know, when I grow up. But, mm-hmm. you know, some aren't now. But really, and when you look at what Nebraska football has done, as I said, last six years, one winning season. Since the year 2004, first-round draft picks, and not a single one since 2011. These guys are looking to make it to the NFL, and they're going to pick a place that's going to get them there. Yeah, that's also a big part of it. Look at the, the talent and success that Miami's had in recent years. That, that's the, the top school, it seems. That's the school to beat for Devin Jackson. His dad uh, coached under the offensive line coach at Miami. Um, these guys took an unofficial visit themselves down to see Miami, not the not the campus, but just the city of Miami. They love Florida. It sounds like they love the weather down there. Yeah, they just love the general feel of how life is down there. And whenever you see a, a school like Miami, and then you come to Lincoln, one of our top attractions in Lincoln is the International Quilt Museum. Now, I'm not saying anything poorly about the International Quilt Museum. I've been very cool place. I love museums, but when you think about the general 18 year old, four star, five star high school football player, they don't come to Lincoln for the International Quilt Museum. They come to come play football games, win football games, get noticed, and move on to the next level. That's two free it, plugs for the Quilt Museum, if you're keeping track at home. <laughs> go, go check out, after I said, after I essentially said Lincoln's lame because we have a quilt museum, go check out the International Quilt Museum. It is actually awesome what they're doing down there. Um, but That's part of it. But my, my point stands in that this is not a place where they're going to as it appears right now, they're going to find success. You're not going to get these these in-state kids until you can get the success here. But my problem is, is it's the chicken or the egg. Because if you can't get the in-state talent, how are you going to find success in Nebraska? You have to. You have to figure it out, man. It's one of the issues. We're in year and, what? And this, is the, the t- this is the tough part of Scott Frost's job. This is never something Tom Osborne had to deal with, really. I mean, he had guys that left the state. But he was always had success in the field. This is always yeah, a place was, where in-state guys could come and make a name for themselves. He was winning national championships, and it was easier to play for Nebraska if you were living in Nebraska. Now, now you have guys who are the best player on the Nebraska football team who don't get drafted till the sixth round. You have some of the, the best difference makers on this team going undrafted because the talent just isn't here yet. Got to figure it out. If yeah. you don't have talent here, you, you can't. It's hard to recruit new talent, I guess I should say. We got talent, I, I would argue, right? On mm-hmm. the defense, we got some good talent. So, you know, I hear what you're saying. There was there was a good uh, there was a good article. Um, it was a mailbag from uh, Ari Wasserman um, of the uh, the Athletic, okay. and he looked at Michigan State uh, and their success, um, the success they had uh, is under D'Antonio. Okay. Um, and he says it, it was built on the, uh, the the 200 mile radius of Michigan State, the talent there. And he said they they found success, and they went and got these big name recruits, and, and they didn't always feel, fit the culture at Michigan State, and that's kind of what led to the the bad years we've seen from Michigan State last year was you had guys who just didn't fit the program, weren't properly scouted as we saw uh, as we wow. see at Northwestern, Wisconsin, Iowa, and, and, and it's it's suffered, and it's made them suffer, and that's when I look at the success of Nebraska in the '90s. It's recruiting that 500 mile radius, the 400 mile radius, 300 mile, whatever. The area around Nebraska, they locked those guys down and then were able to go elsewhere and get these difference makers. That's what Michigan State did for their success. The only thing is, is Michigan State with that system in modern college football, you're not going to have more than one or two years in a decade where everything comes together perfectly and you can make a run at a Big Ten championship and maybe the college football playoff. 
So that 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 begs the question to me is is what is Nebraska's ceiling? <laughs> you answer that. <laughs> I wish I knew. I wish I knew what Nebraska's ceiling could be, but I don't think it's it's very high unless you can well, lock, unless you can consistently lock down the top guys in the state. And whenever you have back to back years where the two of the top three guys, maybe even more in the class of twenty twenty two, are going elsewhere, it, it's not a formula for success. You also got to remember where this staff is from. You know, a lot of Florida ties, a lot of ties elsewhere. Yeah. I wonder how that affects in state recruiting once you get to Nebraska. Mm. Like Michigan State, man. I mean, they they hit that net, that football playoff, right? It's success. Nebraska was recruiting in that same radius. Yeah. And they were winning. You know, it's a formula. A lot of fun stuff coming up. This show coming up next. We got Mike Babcock. Then we got Shuhart coming up a little bit later from Wilderness Ridge. He's going to talk a little Tiger Woods with us. Um, but, Will, the question I want you to ponder, I saw this from Brandon Cavanaugh on Twitter, is uh, what random player from Nebraska could you name the year from you started watching Nebraska football. We'll get into that next with Mike Babcock. More coming up. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back in on a Wednesday, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal sitting in alongside Will Wilson. You can find us both on Twitter for me, at Herbal Essences, and for Will, at Willie on the Radio. Um, you can also find the show on Twitter at ESPN Lincoln. We've been having some, uh, some issues getting uh, interviews posted. Uh, we're working through that at the moment, actually. Uh, so hoping to get some interviews up on ESPN Lincoln's uh, Twitter page. Um, if not, you can also find the podcast uh, on your favorite podcast streaming service um I mean, we, we i think we did good work this past year getting those up uh through spotify through apple podcasts so you, there are ways for you to find the podcast uh also ask alexa uh, to play espn lincoln it's another way you can listen uh to hail varsity radio excited now to welcome in husker historian and author uh mike babcock you can find him on twitter at md babs and mike i started off all right, sorry, I ended the last segment uh, discussing a tweet from uh, Brandon Kavanaugh from yesterday, and it was, uh, name a random Husker player from the year you started watching uh, Nebraska football. So what year um, did you watch it through a player? And I'm going to give you some time to think by giving you my player, um, and that's Garth Glissman, who is well known to listeners of Hale Varsity Radio and, and fans, uh, subscribers of Hale Varsity Magazine. Uh, he used to have uh, a Monday segment every Monday on Hale Varsity Radio where he'd come on. Uh, and he was a backup quarterback for the Huskers in the year 2004. This is the first year I truly remember watching Husker football. Actually, the first game I uh, distinctly remember was that 70-10, to 10, I think, loss to, to Texas Tech um, with, uh, with Leach really just running up the score in that one. That's like the first Husker game that really stands out in my memory. Um, so I'm going with Garth because of his connection to uh, Hale Varsity Radio. And I, I looked up his LinkedIn profile earlier today, actually, uh, in finding this. I learned he's now the vice president of basketball operations with the NBA. So Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's an NBA guy. Yeah, he, uh, fun, fun, fun little connection there. But, but, Mike, what do you remember about Garth? And then who is your random player that you can name from the year you started watching Oscar football? Well, you know, I, I like dealing with Garth. He's always was a good guy when he was, when he was on the football team. Um, gosh, who did I... Uh, I go back a long way. I mean, I, I, 
I remember Bob Brown was one of the early ones, uh, but it wasn't the earliest, probably. Uh, um, um, I I would say, off the top of my head, and I'm going to forget somebody, so I probably will feel bad about this, but uh, uh, Lee Zenick was one because he returned a block kick uh, for a touchdown in the in the Oklahoma. 1959 upset of Oklahoma that ended Oklahoma's 74-game conference unbeaten streak. Um, and uh, I remember uh, a running back, Benny Dillard, and another running back, Clay White, back from that time. Uh, I, I, you know, I remember a lot of a lot of those guys. But you know, I first paid attention to Husker football in the in the late 50s. I mean, I think the first game my parents took me to, I was. I was pretty young, and I think it was uh, maybe Kansas State game. Might have been Band Day in 1956 or 57. Um, so I've seen a lot of Husker football, even though even when I was living in Illinois, I paid attention to the Huskers, obviously. But uh, um, yeah, there's a lot of and and as I've often said, that's one of the reasons that I've. That's the main reason I think that I've. Uh, kept doing what I've done for so many years is is just the people, you know, the student athletes, the coaches, the fans, uh, uh, the support personnel. That it, it's the people more than the games that that have uh, that have kept me interested. Mike, I don't think I've ever gotten the chance to ask you what actually was the spark that made you a Nebraska football fan. You mentioned your your parents taking you to games back in the late fifties. Is was it parents or was it was it that like for me it was the. Uh, the first Husker football game I ever went to. Um, and and I, I'd heard stories of the Sea of Red, and I didn't get it because on TV it doesn't do it justice. And I went to a, I believe it was a Texas A&M game. Nebraska ended up losing the game. Um, but my, my dad got tickets uh, from a friend of his. He never wanted to take my brother and I to Husker football games because he claimed the tickets were too expensive um, for a kid to go to because I wouldn't appreciate it. And look at me now, Dad. Look at me now. I'm covering the, the Huskers. But I remember walking out of the tunnel for the first time to my seats and just seeing the student section like an hour before kickoff, and it was almost filled to the top. And I just remember seeing that and going, ah, I get the term sea of red now. And that, that was the spark for me. Do, do you have a, a moment like that? No, you know, I don't think so. I think it was just that, that I, I was, from an early age, I was a, a fan of uh, athletics. And, uh, and, and so, you know, Nebraska football, that was a big deal in the fall. Uh, and I went to high school football games in my hometown, and 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 the Huskers. You know that was one that I heard some games on the radio. And when I started going to games, it wasn't that difficult to get a ticket. Um, I sat in the uh, the first game I went to on my own uh, was uh, in 1958. I think it was Iowa State, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and sat in the uh, knothole section at the. Uh, at the at the south end of the stadium, and uh, I think tickets were probably fifty cents or a buck or something like that. There just weren't that many people that went to the games, um, and I saw I saw a couple of games uh, during that time period. I went to a couple of games, uh, and then you know uh, I had the my uncle was the equipment manager uh, at the university from nineteen sixty seven to. Or no, it was before that, I think. Um, anyway, from the from the mid '60s uh, to about 1977, he was equipment manager. He had retired. He was a farmer, uh, and then he retired from that. And he worked with Bill Shepard on the grounds crew 
on Bill Shepard's grounds crew, and then uh, when uh, uh, the opportunity Floyd Bodorf retired, I think my uncle became the equipment manager. So when I was a student at the university as a sophomore in 1966, um, I lived with my uncle for, for a semester, better part of a semester, and you know I helped him in the equipment room on a couple of occasions. I remember putting, helping him put uh, helmet uh, stripes on the helmets, getting ready for a a game or something like that, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, there was just always a connection to Nebraska football. It was just always a big deal to me, and I, uh, I've i always appreciated that. Um, it goes back a long way, and there wasn't like an aha moment. It was just was kind of a natural thing, I think. You know, I grew up in Nebraska, and that was didn't make any difference. It was football, and it was exciting, and didn't have great teams then, but I was still a fan. <laughs> We're talking to Mike ba- uh, Babcock. Hey, Mike, last night it went down. It was beautiful. Teddy Allen, 41 points against Penn State. Uh, you know, it was it was kind of uh, bad bad luck because we lost. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it was amazing performance from Teddy Allen. The record is 42 by Eric Piakowski. Uh What can you tell us about that game? 42 points. What can you tell us? Yeah, I, you know, they, they kind of all run together, but that one kind of sticks out. It was against Oklahoma. And now, the, am I right? Was that in the uh, was that in the Big Eight tournament? I believe so. Yeah, ninety four. I, I think it was, and I think Nebraska scored probably over a hundred points in that game. I mean, you know, that's the thing that's really interesting. I think is that uh, uh, Danny Knee's teams, man, they could put up the points. There were there were hundred point games uh, when he when he was the coach, and and Pike was. Uh, you know, he was the kind of guy that was capable of doing that, you know. Um, uh, and I just remember, I guess, the rivalry between Nebraska and Oklahoma when Billy Tubbs was the was the coach at Oklahoma. And I remember he made some comment after one of the Oklahoma games at Oklahoma won early on. Danny Nee might have been his first year. And uh, they took a, they drubbed Nebraska, and it was here in Lincoln, and Tubbs said something about you know, you're going to have to get better players if you think you're going to beat me. Uh, you know, Tubbs was really an outspoken guy. I mean, he you probably heard the story about uh, Billy Tubbs. I'm not, I'm not sure this was a Nebraska game, but um, the fans were, it was in Norman, and the fans were getting on the officials, and the officials went over to Tubbs and told him, look, if the fans don't settle down here, uh, you're, you're going to get a technical. Oklahoma's going to get a technical because you're the home team. <laughs> So and so they they made Billy Tubbs take a microphone and tell the fans that you know what Billy Tubbs said. What did he say? He said to the fans, no matter how bad the officiating is, don't be yelling and throwing stuff on the floor. <laughs> and he got teed up. Nice, <laughs> nice low blow to the refs there. Yeah, yeah, no matter how bad the officiating, don't throw anything on the floor and don't be yelling all this obscenities and stuff. Um, so you know, so it was part of that Oklahoma thing and that. That might was that the year that Nebraska won the Big Eight tournament. Oh, I not sure there. Boy, I, my again, I put all that stuff together and I forget. But uh, one of those years uh, that Pike played, uh, Nebraska won the Big Eight tournament, yeah. and uh, you know that was pretty cool. And you know, Danny took uh, four consecutive teams to the NCAA tournament. He didn't, uh, they didn't win, but they got to the NCAA tournament. And then he took a fifth team later on, and and. Uh, and then they got rid of him for, you know, there there was some tension there and some other things. But I always said, you know, people complained about 
need not, not being able to win the game in the NCAA tournament, so they solved that. They just don't go anymore. So, Mike, um, you, you mentioned you, you you started following Husker football in the late fifties. How like where you started? Uh, did you start following Husker basketball around that time too? Oh yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, I remember that one of the TV stations, I think Channel Ten. Uh, always had uh, highlights of Jerry Bush's uh, games on Sunday nights, and uh, my uh, the, my guy was uh, Herschel Turner. That was uh, he was uh, from Indianapolis. Uh, he was from the same high school, I think, as uh, Oscar Robertson. And uh, when he finished at Nebraska, he was the all-time leading scorer at Nebraska. You know, since been passed uh, several times, but uh, Herschel Turner was a was really a a good player, and I, I remember. Um, I also remember the uh, year that Nebraska upset uh, Wilt Chamberlain, uh-huh. and uh, you know now here's how people remember these things wrong. Uh, there's like oh, oh, Kansas was number one. No, Kansas was like number four. Mm. But Wilt Chamberlain was the subject of the college basketball world. Yeah, I mean, my- he was uh, he was an amazing player in Nebraska. Had, had lost to Kansas in Lawrence like 102 to 46, I think it was. And Chamberlain scored 46. And the headline in the Lincoln paper was something to the effect of Nebraska 46, Chamberlain 46, Kansas 102. And then they came to Lincoln and Nebraska beat him. Uh, Jim Kabaki had a shot at the end. Yeah, I remember my grandma was enrolled at the time. And that was, you know, that game was on TV. Uh, it wasn't a, like a network thing, but it, there was so much interest in it sure. that, that it was televised on Channel 1011. And I have a, a vague recollection that I kind of fell asleep on the couch at some point. But uh, it was a slow-down game. I think, the, you know, the final score was in the 40s. But, uh, and then uh, 10 days later, Nebraska beat number one Kansas State, upset number one Kansas State with Bob Boozer, an Omaha guy. Uh, who was at Kansas State, an All-American. Uh, so there were two great uh, upsets, but uh, Jerry Bush, I don't think, ever had a winning season as, as head coach in Nebraska. But he had some big upsets. Mike, it, it was good to get caught up with you, but uh, looks like we're all at a time, so we'll, we'll get caught up next week? Oh, yeah, sounds good. Uh, sorry, I rambled on there, but uh, you guys be safe. You're the historian for a reason. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. We're back on a Wednesday. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Excited to get caught up with Wilderness Ridge Golf Pro Mike Schuhart. I know, I know we do have a, a lot to get into with Shuey. There's the big news about Tiger Woods yesterday. And uh, obviously we're going to get into that, Mike. But Mike, first got to ask you the question of the day. I've posed it to uh, Mike Babcock already. Um, the question is, is uh, Describe the year that you started watching Nebraska football by naming a random player on that year's roster. For me, the player I'm going with is Garth Glissman. He's got the connection here to ESPN Lincoln and Hale Varsity Radio. He used to come on every single Monday at 425. And he was a backup quarterback on the team in 2004, which is like the first year I really remember just 
being disappointed whenever I saw Nebraska football lose a game. Just the, the year that stands out in my memory is being like, yo, okay, I can call this a fan. Um, I, I mentioned the the seventy to ten loss uh, to Texas Tech led by uh, Mike Leach that year. I, that was. Um, my first kind of painful Husker football memory. So I'm, I'm going to pose the same question to you. Um, on the year you started watching Nebraska football, what, can you just name a random player on that roster? Oh, man. I can Maybe, go like, way back. I mean, well, can, can you even like describe what year about did you start watching Husker football? When did we play? We played two years stand out to me. Penn State. Um, when Penn State had, did Chuck Foreman play for them? Who did Chuck Foreman play for? I believe he played Foreman? for Miami. No, it was a Penn, I'm, sure, I'm sure it was Chuck Foreman. Whoever the Penn State running back was that just ran crazy on us and beat us here. I, I remember that. that. No, Chuck Foreman did go to Miami, so. No, it wasn't him then. I'm trying to think of who it was. But I do remember Barry Sanders. That was another one. That Oh, boy. It was... Pretty impressive to watch that dude because we had no chance ever even touching the guy, let alone stopping him. I mean, he was he was really fun to watch. So, sure. The guys that are really like memories to me, Roger Craig. Mm. So I remember that team. That was a pretty special team. So, so, was, so we're talking early '80s here. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, do, do you have a, a spark? Like what? Like what? What sparked your interest in Husker football? Oh, just being around, growing up, and just watching Nebraska play, and they're always really good, you know? So as a kid, just the enthusiasm that everybody had on Saturday, it was time to watch Husker football. So, man, I was young. My dad was a huge Husker fan. I started watching when I was a kid, and then just like everybody, you just get engrossed in it, you know? You become a fan for life. You bring up an interesting point. You watched them because they were good. They had success. They were fun to watch. And now I see the teams nowadays, and we talk about the the in-state recruiting issues, discussed that at the beginning of the hour, is what reason do these kids have to be a Husker football fan besides, oh, my dad's a fan, my my, my aunt and uncles are fans, my grandparents went to the university, what, what have you. I mean, when they're growing up, it's painful for us as Husker fans to watch the Husker football team. I, I can't imagine how painful it is for them not even being Husker football fans trying to be – proud of a team that's in their home state. I don't blame them for going elsewhere. Yeah, and the problem is they don't have the same enthusiasm that we had growing up just because, I mean, that's what winning and losing does. I mean, we're just, we haven't been relevant, you know. We haven't had success. So these kids aren't growing up, you know, kind of glued to the TV watching Husker football. And there's so many others, you know. There's so many other options, so many other viewing options that are out there that, Teams are better. They're getting they're they're getting a lot more pub uh, than Nebraska football is. So it's like they become not Nebraska fans. They become Miami fans or Notre Dame fans. So it's 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 kind of sad actually. It, it's kind of scary actually because you just don't have. Anytime you look at the top players in your state that are not even interested in your program from a basketball and a football standpoint, there's some serious problems going on. But it all stems from not winning. I mean, winning solves a lot of a lot of ills. Yep. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, you start winning. I mean, attitudes change, perceptions change. When you lose, the same thing. It's like there's there's no interest. Why? All they do is lose. 
Mike, I, I want to get into golf real quick. I mean, I could talk about Husker football all day. Um, but we did have the the I mean, shocking news yesterday of that Tiger Woods car accident. He has some pretty significant injuries to his right leg. Um, sounds like he was in surgery for a good portion of last night. Um, just right off the bat, what, what was your reaction to that news? Uh, shocking, you know, um, scary. You know, it's it, it's tragic because it's probably the most iconic golfer to ever play, if not the most, one of the most. You know, so anytime something happens to somebody that has that notoriety in the game, it's like you never want to see anything bad happen to him. Tiger's so good for the game when he's when he's in the game, you know, so it's like you you always hope for the best. And not just him being a golfer, just anybody. You never you never want to see anybody go through something like that. Hey, Mike, I've been uh, reading about it, looking at these pictures. It looks great. I'm really, I'm really excited to see uh, what happens out of Wilderness Ridge. Uh, tell us what you guys got going out on out there. Uh, are you, so new facilities, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I mean, we're putting right now, we've got our, our new pro shop and uh, academies going up huge building and then uh, once the snow gets out of here uh, we start building our pool complex which you'll start to see some pictures of that coming out here shortly which is fantastic and expect and to see you there every day right that's right man I plan on it so what I saw what I've seen of it already so if it's half as good as what I've seen in person I'll be there every day <laughs> And Mike, with with this warm weather, we're kind of getting this week. Have you been out with the shovel on the greens, uh, making sure that that Lincolnites can yeah. come out and enjoy the course? What, what's going on? Are people able to come exactly. play? Exactly, man. Everybody's getting excited now. We get a little warm weather. We start to get some melt. People start to get excited because they know golf is just around the corner. So, looking at the forecast, it looks like uh, it's going to get really nice. Going to get a lot of the snow melted off here, and uh, I would be surprised if we're not going to be open here shortly which didn't look very good a couple weeks ago hey mike real quick we got the wg chip this weekend who's your pick man i i'm a i like these young guys there's a lot of really good young players victor hovland and uh will gordon there's a lot of really young talent out there you know just like last week max homna um i mean just a lot of really really good young talent that uh, you're gonna you're gonna keep seeing be very competitive. You know, they're they're the new guns that are gonna start taking over. And Jordan, I mean, Jordan is on a roll, man. He's starting to get his confidence back. So um, it's good to see him play well. Talking with Mike Schuhart here on Hale Varsity Radio. You can uh, go visit Shuey out at Wilderness Ridge. Get that golf swing fixed, um, Mike. Just any big events coming up out at Wilderness Ridge the next week, or how can people come out and uh, and check out the club uh, while it's under construction? So they can come out. They're welcome to come out and kind of visit, talk a little membership stuff. Uh, we are starting to do some of our fittings. Um, so uh, you can go on our website and kind of look at some of the stuff we have to offer. You know, so with golf right around the corner, what a great time to come in and, and get fit. You know, we have PXG um, that we have actually tomorrow. We have a Callaway fitting coming up. We have a Mizuno. So we got a lot of stuff Get you ready for the season. Mike, it was good to get caught up with you. We'll talk, chat next week. You bet. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. Chime in. 402. 
1-800-522-4666 ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com Just try me, try me Back to Hale Varsity Radio Rolling through a Wednesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio uh, About done with hour one now actually That just flew by Talked with Mike Babcock back at uh, 425 Just got caught up with Mike Schuhart. Um Will, do we have a status on the uh, the ability to post these interviews in, uh, in podcast form on the, on the website? Is that... Uh, I will check right now Ah, nothing. Nothing. So we're still having technical difficulties um, with uh, posting those segments on the ESPN Lincoln page. Should be up, hopefully, uh, after the show uh, at the very least. Um, But also the show will be available in its entirety in podcast form. Um, That is on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, HaleVarsity.com is another great way to do it. Uh, You can ask your Alexa to play Hale Varsity Radio. You can ask her to play ESPN Lincoln. Really, the, the... opportunities for you to listen to this show are endless and why wouldn't you want to listen to it it's we got the a team in today it's elijah herbal alongside will wilson you can find me on twitter at herbal essences for will you can find him at willie on the radio i got that right correct that's right yep that's right the a team does a little much i've actually uh you, uh, you might have heard me I, i've been calling a few basketball games tim bob kitzmiller and i that we do games together we call each other the C team, so if you don't mind, I'd actually like to stay on the C team part if you don't mind. We're kind of trying to brand it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Growing up um, playing basketball, I was always put on the C team. Um, oh, yeah, I was on the D team. Oh, wow. Yep. Gotcha there. Want to have another battle? I'll beat you. <laughs> Is that? I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that completely. Um, <laughs> before we get out of here, I, I just want to want to stand on, on the soapbox, the platform I've been given, um, to complain because the, the weather we, we've had, lovely. I'm, I'm not, like, it's the warmest 40 degrees has ever felt. And I feel like I say that every single time the weather hits 40 degrees after an extended cool down. But the weather's been beautiful. One thing that hasn't been beautiful has been the roads in the city of Lincoln. Oh, it's awful. The potholes out there right now are just, I mean, it, they're bad every year. Don't get me wrong. And every single year, I feel like I say, like, man, this is a bad year. But... This year, it just I, I can't tell what's a pothole and what's a puddle in the road. It was pretty bad last year. Now it's going to be bad again this year. It already is bad. It's going to be bad again next and year. It's, it's what you get living in Lincoln. It, it is. And I have a tip for anyone who doesn't, you know, like potholes. You know, the scary feeling of potholes. What you do is you just turn your music up all the way, and so then you can't hear, you know, the, the <laughs> sound of hitting potholes. It won't bother you. There it is. <laughs> Um, the beautiful car advice coming uh, by way of Will Wilson. I, I just love that in, in Nebraska, there are there are four seasons. There's winter, fall, spring, and summer. You know, people say there's also pothole season, and uh, then you have road construction season, then Husker football season, and then it's Canada. We're living in Canada between the months of December and February. Um, <laughs> and, and I will say, on the bright side, I always have something I can look forward to the next season. Because right now we're in like early spring slash pothole season. Mm-hmm. And I can say, I can look forward to the weather warming up. I can look forward to these potholes getting fixed, but then you get to the next season and it's terrible. It's road construction everywhere. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And you're like, oh, I can look forward to summer. I did see that they are. And then you, and you get to summer and it's a hundred degrees with 90% humidity. And you go, well, thank God Husker football season's coming up. We can get to fall and you get to fall and the Huskers are four and eight. It's terrible. You know, I can look forward to winter time. We got Christmas coming up and then it's, Negative 20 degrees outside. So the weather's never good, but you always have something to look forward to. It's a cycle. 
Back next hour, we'll talk a little Husker basketball, Teddy Allen's 41-point performance. Stick around. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in on a Wednesday, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal sitting in alongside Will Wilson. Remember, you can tweet at us. You can also call the show. We're going to have open phone lines here for about the next uh, 30 minutes. So uh, if you got words you want to say, if you want to come on the radio, now's your chance. Um, get your uh, get what you want to say out because um, we'll be talking Husker basketball here for about the next 15 minutes um, as they fell last night to Penn State 86-83. Um, so give us a call, 402-466-3776. Again, 402-466-3776. Or 1-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers uh, to get in contact with us. You can also tweet at us, at Willie on the radio for Will, at Herbal Essences for me. And that's not like the company. It's H-E-R-B-E-L. That's how my, okay. how my last name is spelled. It's the plan words I've been running with since I was like 10. Very funny. Um, hilarious. Just ex- expert, expert wordplay. <laughs> and- Shout out to my 10-year-old self for thinking of that one. Um, oh, but then you can also uh, tweet at ESPN Lincoln. Um, we'll also see tweets from ESPN Lincoln if you want to get in contact with us. We want to hear from you as the Huskers last night fell to Penn State. 86 to 83, but the, the final result isn't, I think, what people are caring about the most. I mean, people kind of know this Husker basketball team uh, will <laughs> lose some games. This is not the uh, the first game they've lost this year. This is definitely not the last game that they will lose this year. Um, That's right. Th- there's got to be more talent, but we saw some serious talent on display last night as Teddy Allen, 38 minutes played, dropping 41 points, eight rebounds. Six assists on 16 of 24 shooting. And I think that's what's what's most impressive to me is the it's big time. I mean, that's 66 percent shooting. Steady buckets. Uh, he's also six of nine from three, so 66 percent shooting from the field and also 66 uh, percent from three. I guess the the math the math majors in the world would tell me to round up because that's 66.6, <laughs> which goes up to 67 percent. Um, but I've always thought it just like like the the double numbers the 66 just kind of looks better. I've never liked the the whole rounding up to make it if you're if you're six and nine at sixty-seven percent, nah, it's sixty-six percent. I think, in, in my humble opinion, I, I I'm just rambling at this point. But will, what did you think of that performance last night? Uh, Teddy, he he was feeling it. You know, you and I, uh, we uh, play basketball for fun. It's a hobby for us. But you and I both know, and every person out there who's ever played basketball knows, when you're feeling it, you, you cannot miss. There's some, it's, there's like a science behind it, man. Like when you're feeling it, you cannot miss. And Teddy Buckets was doing that last night, and. 41, that's amazing. You know, you look at the NBA and, like, a 60-point game is incredible. You know, I think college is a 40-point game is incredible, especially if you look at, you know, the, the the record. He was one away. And he put up damn near half our points. We were talking, Mike last uh, last hour said when Piatowski put up 42, that the Huskers put up over 100 points that game. Last night it was 41 from Teddy and 42 from the rest of the team. Oh, my Lord. Incredible. That's an incredible, incredible scoring performance, and it was out of necessity. No one else in the offense had it going. No, 
I, I, I got to be honest. I only watched like the last ten minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I so you can't know, talk the, the best much. probably the best ten minutes of the game really. Uh, aside from the last last three four minutes was a little rough. Well, it was rough because we hit a scoring drought at the end of the game, and you, you're not going to win if you're going to do that. It's been a problem, and it happens mm-hmm. obviously with this team. Sucks. It does suck, but we can look on the positive and say, this is what we expected from Teddy Allen coming into the season. He he seemed to have he he was removed from the starting lineup and, and didn't play. Uh, which game was that against? Uh, was it game one against Maryland? I believe. Um, I no, I don't think he played against Minnesota. Minnesota, that's correct. Minnesota is one of those M teams um, where he he rode the bench, and ever since that, it's it just been a, a slightly different, smarter, more willing to pass Teddy Allen. Well, we know he likes to shoot it. We've mm-hmm. seen it, and you know some go in, some don't. So I think last night was just a magical night where. He, he was doing his thing, and they was just going in. And I'm curious to know, Elijah, we, we definitely saw at the end of the game, you know, Penn State was sticking on him tight, very mm-hmm. tight. And he was doing a good job of finding – there was always someone wide open because they were pretty much, you know, triple-teaming him. Yeah. I mean, he was feeling it, and you have to do that. And so I, he, he, he did great. Yeah, Teddy Allen putting up the uh, the 28 first-half points. That's a Husker record for most points and a half. He, he discussed in the post-game press conference last night just what changed last night and why – I mean – he wasn't scoring the ball in the second half as much, but he was affecting the offense in different ways, getting those assists. He had a couple uh, dishes down to Derek Walker, getting him good looks. And he discussed in the postgame presser just what changed from Penn State in that second half. Well, I think they just um, had guys uh, stop me before I got to the rim. Like most of the time in the first half, after I got by one guy, there was nobody else there. But this time there was in the second half. So just try to find my teammates. I think it's 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 funny to hear him say, "Oh, they just they just stopped me before I got to the rim." Like, <laughs> the, oh, the, the, like just that's the most simple basketball thing to do is they just uh, had some help defense in the second half. Um, but that's just he was unstoppable one on one in the first half. Just seemed like it, one of those nights where all, all your moves on the ball are working out. You're, you're getting yourself free. You're getting to the rim. Um, and I wouldn't say any of his buckets last night were exceptionally difficult from what I watched. Um, he obviously had some some three pointers that. You look at it and he takes a shot and you go, Teddy, why are you shooting that one? But then he, he knocks it down because it's, again, one of those nights. Yeah. Um, but he, we have also known that he's got the ability to do that. It's not the first time this season that he's put in some shots that he wasn't supposed to make. Uh, it is the first time that he's been this efficient from the floor, though, uh, at 16 of 24. Uh, we also heard from Fred Hoiberg last night who, who discussed in his postgame presser um, Teddy's game and uh, how impressed he was by Teddy's performance. The most impressive thing about it, Sam, was uh, just his all-around game. He, he went out and made the right play. You know, he had eight rebounds. He had six assists. Uh, you know, four turnovers was too many. But uh, I really thought Teddy played, uh, you know, when he scored 41 and have six assists. That's a, that's a really hard thing to do in a college game. Uh, you know, and, and again, I, to go back there and help on those rebounds. I thought he went back and had a rebound in a crowd. Uh, when they got up 10, and I thought that's what kind of got us going. And then I think he came down, hit a three, and then we just slowly chipped away. Uh, but that's what we were looking for, an effort play to try to string some stops together to get us going. Uh, but, yeah, he, he just he was really complete out there tonight, Sam. And, you know, it was, it was fun to see him uh, get it going like that. Uh, you know, and like you said, unfortunately, we couldn't get the win with, uh, with the historic night that he had. Um, just to put it into context, this historic night, uh, that's not exaggeration by any means. He, he set the first half uh, record for, uh, or the, the single half scoring record for Nebraska. Um, but I saw this uh, last night from uh, Chris Bassnett uh, of uh, the Journal Star. Teddy Allen last night became the fourth Power Five conference player 
uh, in the last decade. So within the past 10 years, but four. There's been f- uh, four. To have 40 rebounds, eight rebounds, and six assists in a game. <laughs> the other three on that list uh, are all in the NBA nowadays making good careers themselves. It's Buddy Heald, Ben Simmons, and Trey Young. Yep. None of those guys were um, f- on a team that was had one conference win in the season. Those were all playing in good teams, which I think makes their performances a little bit more exceptional. Um, I mean, Buddy Heald, Oklahoma, he, he had some good teammates around him. Uh, same with Trey Young. But but there's that game he had, though, against Kansas. And th- that, that's, that's this game they're referring to, I, I believe. I think he dropped, like, man, I, I think it was more than 40. It was, I think, the most impressive single-game performance from a college basketball player I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, that game against, it was like a, that game ended up, both teams scored over 100 points. Um, I think it went to overtime. Um, what was that, four years ago now? Uh, well, incredible, incredible game from Buddy Heal. But Teddy Allen, now an elite company after this with 40 points, eight rebounds, and six assists. Um, but unfortunately, not enough to get the job done for the Huskers. Hoiberg, a little more from his postgame presser uh, as he just discussed what went wrong for the Huskers last night, why they weren't able to get the win in spite of Teddy Allen's historic performance. You know, especially defensively, I thought in that first half, we just we weren't getting matched up at all. And, you know, we talked about this being a transition team and you have to close with their shooters and we'd have two guys running with the same guy or, you know, buddy running down the floor as opposed to getting back and getting the basket covered. And that's what got them into rhythm. And, you know, you look at the percentages, they shoot 40, we shoot 53, I believe it was. But, you know, they just had way too many extra possessions, you know, mental mistakes, as you said, with, uh, you know, throwing the ball right to them. And then, you know, a couple of the, you know, reverting back to what we were dribbling in the crowd and dribbling in the pile. So, you know, uh, offensively, you know, to shoot those percentages, which it's been a while, you know, I think going back before the shutdown with uh, Michigan State and Illinois, I think we were up, or sorry, Indiana, we were up around those percentages. Uh, you know, so it was good to see that ball, you know, going through the hoop. And I thought our spacing and cutting got really good in those last 10 minutes. Unfortunately, we just couldn't string enough good stops together. And when we did get a stop, we couldn't get the rebound. Um, another thought here from, from Hoiberg, he, he discussed the, the last 10 minutes. Um, and, and the Huskers did look good, but we discussed uh, a few minutes ago just scoring drought in the last three minutes. And, and Teddy Allen for the first half, he, he was able to, to be the spark plug. Um, no one else really could, could buy a bucket. And, and this is what I predicted from Teddy Allen preseason. You can go back and you can, you can check, the, uh, check the logs. Maybe, maybe I'll do it uh, afterwards and go back and listen. I remember saying... Teddy Allen needs to be a guy in this offense that when all else is going wrong and the Huskers can't buy a bucket, he's got to be a guy that you can put the ball in his hands and say, get us a bucket. Get us some points. Last night, he was able to do that, and that's what I expected um, from Teddy Allen coming in. And and that's why I think it was surprising on the last possession that the ball didn't touch Teddy Allen's hands. A little bit, um, but it it was a good look. It was a good look from Trey. He was the second-leading scorer. Uh, he was feeling it. Well, not feeling it, okay, but, you know, he was scoring. It was a good look. You got a clean look. You know, you you use Teddy as a decoy in that situation. It worked. You just got to hit that shot, and yep. Trey didn't. Let's hear, let's hear what Hoiberg has to say about that final possession. I remember, what was it, that awful possession against uh, Illinois? Yes. Uh, when they were in town and ended up him throwing the mask. Um, obviously, that wasn't what they were looking for on that possession. Um, but last night, uh, he seemed to be a little happier with how that final possession went despite the fact that it didn't uh, end up in Teddy Allen's hands. I thought our urgency you know got to the point where it needed to be in those last 10 minutes when they got up uh, double digits and we fought all the way back got the lead uh, watched the last possession uh, had three options on it you know Trey coming off I, you know I thought he had a, a 
pretty good look at the basket. Uh, you know, we had a, a hammer screen on the other end and then a crack back on Teddy uh, on the strong side, which I think, you know, looked like he had a pretty good chance of being open. But I thought Trey uh, had a good look at it. <clears throat> you know, unfortunately, he didn't go down. What I hear there is there was action within that play designed for Teddy Allen, but um, Trey McGowan's got a good look that he liked uh, and took the shot. Let's, let's hear from Teddy Allen uh, to get his uh, thoughts on that last shot and kind of um, – he doesn't say if he was mad, but you can kind of tell by his tone that I think he wanted to get the ball in that last possession. I think Trey got a good look. You know, that was a great look. I'll, I'll let him shoot it again. I, I, I believe he'll make the next one. So we got the look we wanted. He'll knock it down. And that's the proper response from a teammate, but I don't let's, let's be honest. When you're having a 41-point game, eight rebounds, six assists – even if your teammate gets a good shot, I think you still want the ball coming to you with that possession, right? Uh, you definitely do, but Penn State knew he had 41 points. Defense will adjust. You know, you have to get what you have, and that was a great shot. Like I said, it was a clean shot from Trey. He should, he, he had to hit it down. Teddy, I don't know. Elijah, I don't think he's I, – I like that tone. He was very like humble. That? He was very humble in postgame. Uh, I know he was asked, you know, what it means, that, that performance, and he said, doesn't matter, we lost. So, you know, he was humble. And like you said, he let Trey hit it again. So, Big thing for these Huskers now is after that, um, you, you fall short. They put in great effort at the end to, to call themselves back in, especially that last minute um, as they yeah. were able to, to get buckets when they needed to. But now the, the focus turns to, yeah, Illinois uh, on Thursday. And you got Minnesota, Rutgers, Iowa, and Northwestern to finish the year. And, I mean, the only school in there that I, I think Nebraska is not going to be uh, – Six point, eight point, ten point underdog to is Northwestern. So you still got a tough stretch of games coming up for this Husker basketball team. Um, going to be tough to see what they do. But and Illinois just got beat uh, last night too by Michigan State, so they're upset. And you know Penn State, they were upset last night, mm-hmm. right? We beat them. They were on the bubble of getting in, and we totally ruined their chances. They were coming to Lincoln upset. I heard, saw reports that you could hear Penn State's celebration uh, from their locker room all the way onto the court. Okay, so they wanted that one last night. They wanted they they got their uh, their revenge on uh, Nebraska from uh, Nebraska stealing one on their home court a few weeks ago. But it was a historic night for Nebraska ball. Historic night for Teddy Allen, and I'll say the the what I'm asking for from Husker basketball this year is to be entertained and to not have them uh, be an embarrassment to the state. That yep. sounds harsh, um, but when you're losing by 40 to other teams in the Big Ten, it, it gets a little embarrassing as a Husker fan. They put in a great performance last night. There's things that they can work on, uh, and that's why I want to spend a whole segment here talking about this game because I thoroughly enjoyed watching that performance from Teddy Allen last night. It's funny. I got done calling a game at Lincoln High last night. By the way, shout-out Papillion La Vista coming in getting the upset over Lincoln High. Uh, it's not the point. I was driving home, and I turned on the game, and the first thing I heard from Kemp Favelka uh, he was saying, you know, Teddy Buckets, I think at the time he had 25 points. He's like, Teddy Allen, 25 points. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, the game's got to be in, like, the second half. There's got to be. He mentioned, like, two minutes left. I'm like, oh, two minutes left in the game. No, two minutes left in the half. I was like, this is unbelievable. Luckily, I caught the end of the, the, end of the game. So, yes. that, good job, Teddy, man. That was awesome. Thoroughly entertained. Hope I'll be entertained by the Nebraska-Illinois game. That's tomorrow night. Uh, 6 o'clock on BTN. We'll have Andy Markowski on tomorrow uh, to get his thoughts on the historic performance from Teddy Allen as well as uh, Nebraska's finish to the season. Excited uh, to do that. But before we go here uh, this hour, um, we or sorry, this uh, segment should mention uh, the news out of today on Husker signee. Was he, he has, has he signed yet? Bryce McGowan's? Yeah. 
Oh, well, I don't is know. He if committed? He's officially signed. He's he's committed. The, the, he might si- be. the signing days with the different sports is confusing. And then, like college football moved it from uh, February to the early signing period in December, which is now more important. Everything's changing all around me. Uh, it's just I can't keep up. Um, but we're we're uh, uh, disappointed. I'm disappointed. Um, Bryce McGowan's snubbed from the McDonald's All American team. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Actually, off the top of my head, the Huskers had a McDonald's All American. Yes, we've had. Well, for the Huskers, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure we've had a few. Um, Hunter Salas, he became the second. Yeah, that, that, that's good. Uh, for Hunter Salas, getting into that. Hunter Salas from Millard North, obviously outstanding talent, one of the best high school basketball players to ever do it in Nebraska. He's going to be playing in the McDonald's All-American game. Uh, so congrats to Hunter Salas. Excited to see where he's going to be spending his college years. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Just got to jam out to this beat for a second. My roommate absolutely loves this song. It's Homecoming by Kanye West. Um, he's a uh, uh, going to be a teacher. He's in the uh, the teacher's college at UNL right now. Con- Kanye West? Uh, I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, but he, he wants to use this song as a like uh, a teaching tool just because he loves the song. So uh, this, this song is just always on legendary beat. Big Kanye fan here. Um, I digress. Um, no, he's legendary. Legendary. And and uh, recently divorced. I'm sad about that. That mm. that was the only celebrity power couple I cared about. It was, it was just so much fun drama there between the the entire Kardashian family and Kanye West. Um, it happens. Before we get back into sports, got to remind you that there are over 1,500 crashes a year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high is never acceptable, and law enforcement officers are working day and night to stop it before more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, remember, don't drink, find a designated driver, or get a ride share, um, because a DUI costs more than you think. It's a message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. Got a, got a little... A fun topic I want us to get in here, Will, because I saw this article uh, this past week online. Uh, I guess not article, a little blog post of sorts, and it was uh, ranking the Big Ten Conference by how many high schools each team shares their mascot with. Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, you get the the classic ones. I, I think of uh, Northwestern and Millard West. They're both the Wildcats. Um, okay. So so he went through, and there's a, this guy found software, um, credit to... I can't try to pronounce this guy's username, actually. It's, it's just a, a combination of letters and numbers. Um, but he, he went through and he used uh, this, this app, essentially, um, to determine how many high schools across the entire country share a mascot with each Big Ten name. And he, he's ranked them in terms of how many schools there are. Okay. So coming in at number one on the list. I'm going to guess it's it's got to be Rutgers. If you just go Knights... Uh, it's popular, but this guy listed it by Scarlet Knights. So he, they are they are a little bit down the list. There are two schools in America, uh, high schools that have the mascot, the Scarlet Knights. But the Knights, um, he he it was, it's not listed. Okay, so so, so I'm it, right. You're not right. What? Not even close. Okay, I'll, I'll give you one more guess. Oh man, uh, man, uh, it's got to be the Hawkeyes. It's not the Hawkeyes have. Where are they at? Two. Two, uh, two schools, uh, two high schools in the country, uh, which share number- the name. Uh, only one of those is in Iowa. Am I alone? I thought that number would be a lot 
higher. Well, the top has 669 high schools okay. sharing a mascot name. That is the Northwestern Wildcats. They're, they're number one? They're number one. There's 669 high school teams in America with uh, the mascot of the Wildcats. Uh, in second place, the Michigan State Spartans, 274 high schools uh, across the country with the name Spartans. Go Big Blue, Lincoln East, stand uh, up. In number three, uh, we have the Michigan Wolverines. A lot of Wolverines, 145. And then in fourth place, uh, we have 27 uh, Badgers. So the Wisconsin Badgers coming in at fourth place. Uh, everything else beyond that is less than 10. As for the Cornhuskers, uh, zero. Zero. There are zero high schools in the country. There is a close one, though, being uh, Hoopston Area High School of Illinois, um, who are the Hoopston Corn Jerkers. Oh. Well, that's very unfortunate. There, there are definitely jokes there I could get into. I will it's a not. Very unfortunate name. I will stay away from the low hanging fruit. But why I'm getting into this is I saw today um, a new minor league baseball team is uh, is starting their season. They're supposed to start last season, but COVID uh, canceled their season, uh, so they are starting this year. And their name is the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Trash Pandas, classy. Um, so they don't play in Rocket City. Even they play in. Uh, what city is this in? It's in Alabama. Rocket City. The Rocket City Trash Pandas. Uh, they have some connection to NASA, that city. I looked it up earlier. Let, let me uh, let me find the name, the Wikipedia page, to find out what city they're in. They're, they're affiliated with the Los Angeles Angels, and okay. they are located in Toy- it's, uh, Madison, Alabama. There it is. So the, the Rocket City Trash Pandas are in Madison, Alabama. And, and I just thought that was one of the uh, the best mascot names I've ever heard ever. Trash Panda? That's great. It's the best name for... Do I mean, you know what a Trash Panda is? It's a raccoon. Is that what people call raccoons? A Trash Panda? Yeah, because they, they have like the same coloration as a panda, and they, they go through your trash, so they uh, call them the Trash Pandas. I've never heard of that before. Never heard of that. I like that one. Calling call raccoons little Trash Pandas. It's cool. It's all right. I, I looked up, because you said we were going to be talking about this, I looked up some of the weirdest... Uh, Mascots, high school mascots. There are. I think corn jerkers has got to be up there. <laughs> uh, we'll see. This was uh, published in 2015, so it could be outdated. But some of these are a little weird. Over down in Montgomery, uh, the Sydney Lanier poets. They're the poets down there. That's that's not. In- if I was like going up and playing the poets, I would not be intimidated at all. I wouldn't either. Bunch of nerds sounds like the. <laughs> uh, th- there's the polka dots. Yeah, there's a town polka. And uh, Polka High School, and they're the Polka Dots. I like that's kind of like the I, I kind of like that because it plays on the city name. It's like the Buffalo Bills. It's, where, it's where catchy. Like, like like the Bills is weird, but when you like tie it into Buffalo, like you, you can't take the Buffalo Bills and move them anywhere. You you can't have it be the Charlotte Bills because the the whole point of the Buffalo Bills is that the city name is actually like a park, is like Buffalo Bill, you know. So I I, I kind of like the creativity on on display there. Any any other good names on the list? Ah, uh, there's one more. This one's kind of unfortunate if you went to this high school. Uh, apparently, they call themselves the Millionaires. The Millionaires. Yeah. So, obviously, if you're at the, if this is the school that does have the wealthy families, uh, it's very unfortunate because I'm sure every team in that league wants to beat this school. Reminds me back in high school, uh, during high school football season, uh, we'd refer to Southwest as Von Mar High. Because okay. of their proximity to Von, Von Mar and the, uh, the, the socioeconomic status of, uh, of many of the students living there. We called them Von Mar High. Interesting. So it's pretty good. Going back to high school, smack talk. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> did, you, did you see this? 
um, just change topics on you, that Runza is coming out with a new Runza flavor starting next week, March 1st. All right. How exciting. How exciting. I'm always excited to see what they come out with. They always have about uh, one good, you know, creation every year. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see this time. This new one is the Ruben-style Runza. They haven't, uh, it looks like it hasn't gone into detail of exactly what's in it, but I'm, I'm zooming in on this picture that they have. It appears that it's got the classic Runza filling base, and then on top, it appears to be corned beef and sauerkraut. I'm not sure. You'd think that the, the, yeah. the, the correct cheese choice here would be Swiss cheese. Okay. Yep. Well, sure. But would you be trying this Reuben Runza? Uh, no, I don't know if I will be. No. I, I like the classic cheese Runza. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at. It, but it, it does seem to make sense in the fact that like it, cabbage is one of the main ingredients in a Runza along with the, the ground beef. And, and cabbage is the, the, the star of a corned beef sandwich, in my opinion, of Reuben. The the, the 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 corned beef is good, but what sets a good Reuben apart is the quality of the sauerkraut, which is made to use. So it, it makes sense to me that a runza is beef and cabbage, mm-hmm. and a Reuben is when you boil it down, it's beef and cabbage. So I, I I'm I'll try it. I, I won't be like lining up on March first to get this, but I, I will try it eventually. But that begs the question. What other flavors could be incorporated into a runza? So, in other words, you want to know our dream runza. Yeah, like, if, if you're sitting at a Husker football game, I know at the Husker football games, they only sell, like, the classic runza with no cheese, you know? Yeah. Which I wish, they, if they got to start selling some cheese runzas at the game, I, I'd pay an extra dollar to get a cheese runza if the vendor's got a cheese runza coming around. But if you're sitting out there, it's a, it's a late October game at Memorial Stadium. The fans are back in the stadium at this point. COVID is not an issue. COVID is a long gone in our memory. We're dreaming. You're here. sitting at Memorial Stadium, and, and the Runza vendor comes around. But this time around, Runza's and uh, Memorial Stadium have made some upgrades, and, and you have multiple choices to choose from. Oh, you know, what would be cool. You got like just a whole thing of toppings, and they, they'll like they'll make it for you. Maybe it's like the, the box seat thing at at, uh, at Memorial Stadium now. It's the new it's a new bougie thing. You get to make your own Runza. So what what would you put oh into God. your Runza? My dream Runza. I've thought about this. Uh, my my dream Runza. How about a meatball sub kind of deal? A meatball sub um, Like a meatball marinara runza? Yeah. I mean, it's basically, you know, a meatball sub, but, you know, it's with the runza dough. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be okay. I, I got to think here about just, like, my favorite. The, 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 what what I come back to on this is, is does the base have to be that classic beef and cabbage? And I'd say for it to be considered a, a runza, it, it has to. So I, I wonder how the marinara sauce there would 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 work with the beef and the cabbage and the onion. That's that's all in, in part of the runza well, filling. Does the cabbage and meat have to be in it? My argument here is it's not a runza if it doesn't have it. Well, I think they have other runzas that don't have it. I mean, if, if you got any ideas out there, feel free to give us a call. Sounds like we got somebody on the line now. We'll 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 taking care of you. Um, but I I gotta think. Somewhere along the lines of like a, a, a flaming hot runza, like a, like a, got a hot sauce in there. It's got some pepper jack cheese, so, something spicy, maybe a, a nice spicy dipping sauce um, for the runza, and it, which isn't isn't classic runza at all. But I, I want something I can burn my face off eating a runza, just because I wouldn't want it every single day. I know we got John on the line, but but my dream is a, a burn your face off spicy runza 
um, that's really just going to destroy me the next morning and overnight. John, we got John on the line. John, are, are you calling in to complain about us talking about Runzas, or do you have a good idea for no, uh, a Runza? I've, I've always wanted them to make a breakfast Runza, runza with scrambled eggs oh. and ham and cheese in it. They, they would put the um, Kolachi factory out of business. Well, I personally love those the breakfast hot pockets. Like uh, yeah, it, yeah, I it would be great. It'd be and then if they wanted to take out the eggs and just do the ham and cheese, I'd I'd be all for that too. A ham and cheese runs up. Great idea. This is the kind of call that we needed today. Thank you, John. You bet, buddy. Bye. So with the breakfast runza, does this open up the door for runza to have a breakfast menu? Uh, that's a good question because I think many people have always thought about what runs a breakfast would be like, uh, me included, I think would be very good. Cause I know personally on like family road trips growing up, you'd always have the classic be like 8am you're going on your road trip and, and you'd get the drive through at McDonald's. My mother, uh, chiming in taco runza. Taco runza. Is what she's suggesting. That sounds okay. I'd, I'd, I'd try it. See, runza, why not like have like some limited time runza offers? Just for me to go try because all these things sound so interesting that at least I'd go spend six bucks. And, and Temperature Tuesday only lasts for so long. You got to keep the runza prominent year round. Why not bring in some new runza flavors? I, I personally like John's idea that the breakfast runza because I'd rather go to runza than McDonald's in the morning on a road trip. Or runza collabs with Valentino's and make a Valentino's pizza runza. The perfect for Husker football games. We're back to full circle. If I'm sitting at a Husker game, can't decide between a runza, Val's pizza, a hamburger, Val's runza. There's potential there, I think. After the break, we'll have a jock talk talking Tiger Woods injuries. Chris gift to us. He recorded this last night with Dr. Ben Woodhead. That's next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a jock talk Wednesday. Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, thanks for the time. How are you? Absolutely, Chris. I'm doing well. Yourself? Doing all right. Doing all right. Jarring news on Tuesday uh, with Tiger Woods. Lucky to be alive. Serious rollover crash in Rancho Palos Verdes uh, out in uh, L.A. And uh, incredible work by the L.A. (coughs) County and L.A. City uh, Fire Department and Recovery and Rescue to, to get Tiger out and into the operation, uh, the O.R., and uh, lower leg injuries is is the topic, and there's a lot of trauma. We both seen the vehicle. We saw the vehicle uh, lifted out of uh, the region it, it had rolled. And Doctor Ben, just a reaction to you. What comes to your mind with uh, with lower leg trauma, lower extremity trauma when you see an accident like yeah. this? Well, there's, you know, in a motor vehicle crash like this, especially when you got to be extricated, it looks like it was a high type of velocity injury. Uh, really, it could be anything, whether whether his pelvis fracture, he certainly could have broke his tibia, femur, his ankle. Um, but usually these high um, speed type of injuries, they can bring on all sorts of injuries. And then once once you get in those higher uh, higher speed injuries, you know, you get a lot of really bad ankle fractures and knee fractures that are into the joint that can cause a lot of problems later on. Doctor. Of course, the most the most important thing, you know, in a trauma type scenario, and you know, they obviously did this, but 
you go back to the, the regular ABCs of trauma where you make sure their airway is fine and they're breathing and you want to make sure you rule all that out and just make sure he's alive from a high high impact injury like that. Well, and that's just it. And when we talk about trauma with a vehicle and rollover accident, A, be buckled up, Tiger was, uh, B, um, you, you could have head trauma and once that happens, that is a game changer in in the wrong way and for him to go into surgery like he did dr ben uh it, it's not life-threatening he was able uh you it, it feels like to be able to be steady enough to, to at least have surgery on the lower body yeah, because oftentimes in these tra- trauma scenarios, you know, patients are not stable enough just to go to surgery and, you know, they go to the ICU and you basically keep them alive until they are. So that's promising that Tiger was able at least to go into surgery, depending on the exact type of injuries. Um, it sounds like when they extricated him, it wasn't as bad as they initially thought. Um, we just hope and pray that everything turns out for him like, uh, you know, like we want. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Tiger Woods, his injury accident. Uh, with with compound fractures, touch on just the 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 level of, of infection and how how serious that is. Uh, with when you look at the compound fractures uh, in the lower extremities, you have leg injury, bones perhaps protruding, and I don't mean to get graphic or disgusting, but I mean infection's a real thing to worry about, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Once you start getting those open fractures, um, your infection risk goes up dramatically. And I think something that's fresh in a lot of our minds is a typical situation like Alex Smith. I know his wasn't necessarily through the skin, but, you know, we all, most of us have probably seen the documentary. He got infected. He went through numerous surgeries. His leg was completely deformed. Um, And really, it's taken him multiple years to get back to where he's at. And, you know, that's you know, not an uncommon type of scenario once you do get infection after um, these open fractures occur. And so it's certainly something where they'll put him on antibiotics if it is an open type of fracture. And, um, you know, you really are very aggressive with these types of injuries. And so um, lots of things going on with an injury like this. Dr. Ben, a thought to to the pelvic region and I've had a couple of buddies that that have had pelvic fractures and uh, that is just really touchy and the recovery is is something fierce Uh, touch on 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 that recovery and and how you go about it and also just the the fear of blood clots as well with um, with lower extremity injuries where you where you have so much bleeding going on yeah, and so pelvic injuries are tough. There's a ton of different type of pelvic injuries. Even if you have a pelvic type of fracture that doesn't require operative fixation, you're still looking at a lengthy period of time where you're potentially non-weight bearing. You do still have the same risk factors like we talked about or like you just talked about with blood clots. Um, but then say that he does have a pelvic fracture that needs maybe a plate and screws. Um increases your risk for blood clots like he had said so he's likely going to have to be on some type of anticoagulant or blood thinner um, as he gets back to weight bearing Um, but these are these are nasty fractures and um, these are like you had said earlier these are types of injuries that 
traditionally only occur in a high high speed type of injury um you know hopefully hopefully that the ones that tiger had are not not one that are going to cause a ton of permanent damage when we talk about um fixing and and say there's tibia fracture say there's um other fractures with the femur uh, kind of ballpark the the approach to healing say say all of the above we've touched on are a reality and as we talk um all we know is these are possibilities uh, yeah absolutely so in terms of the tibia or the femur you know those are long bones in the lower extremity so actually in tiger's case that's a best case scenario if he fractures one of those because those bones you often can put a rod down them um, as long as you get them straight and get bones touching to some degree, those will heal. Um, and pe- people do quite well, quite honestly. Where it gets a little more touch and go and difficult and some longer pain outcomes is if you fracture into the knee joint or the ankle joint. And when the joint surface is actually uh, disrupted, that's what leads and predisposes folks to uh, more arthritis type of symptoms and more long-term pain type of situations and so you know even though it sounds more horrific and gory it's those tibia and femur fractures that are along the shaft you know folks do very very well with those about 95 percent of those heal just with surgery and people go on kind of with a normal life Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Tiger Woods. Dr. Ben, about a minute left. And we touch on the pain aspect of things with uh, recovery. And that's what we're all wishing for, for, you know, just a great and uh, beyond golf. But uh, a guy that's uh, a dad uh, to kids and has a lot of people that care about him. Uh, Tiger's got a lot of pain right now already with his back and the fusions. And now this, I mean, just from a quality of life, and he'll still have life, that's important. But from a quality of life, is is it hard to believe he'll be pain-free just walking to the mailbox? That's that's my question. I'm not even talking you know, about that's, Yeah, that's a question I think we all have. Depending on the extent of the injuries, he's probably going to have some residual pain after this. And, and like you said, he's had... I don't recall how many back surgeries he had. I think he actually had one in December as well. And so uh, he's fresh off of that. And so, you know, pain is something that Tiger has dealt with for a long time. And that's the last thing that he needs to add um, to basically him getting back to his uh, regular golf form as it is. Dr. Ben, thanks for the update. Thanks for the insight. We'll do this again. Thanks a lot, Chris. Now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Wrapping up a Wednesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. It's Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson. I will be back in tomorrow as well as Friday and then again for the Saturday morning edition as Chris is going to be down in Arizona coming back on Sunday. So he'll be back uh, for Hale Varsity Radio come Monday. But it's Elijah Herbal driving the ship until then. Just talk about myself in third person, make myself feel a little uh, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like a big deal. Elijah Herbal, you know. Um, but excited for Chris to uh, to come back. But I'm also excited to have uh, some shows the next couple days to bring to you guys. Got some uh, fun stuff planned. We had, we had some fun stuff here today. As uh, we just heard that jock doc that Chris left us. That's the one one of the best presents you can receive is uh, a, a talk with a good doctor, Doctor Ben Woodhead from Chris. Just 
Very thoughtful of him to leave that for us. Also talked last hour with uh, Mike Schuhart and Mike Babcock. Both of those uh, will be posted, hopefully, barring any technical difficulties, on the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page after the show. You can also check us out, uh, the full show, on podcast form, Apple, Spotify, HaleVarsity.com, what have you. Mike is uh, great. Mike Babcock. I, I'm sure the guy has a million stories, and I, I can talk to him for hours. Mm. Thank you. I appreciate him joining. He's awesome, man. Yeah, He's got great. Some uh, more good guests coming tomorrow as we have Andy Markowski, former Husker, now assistant coach with the uh, the Pious Girls team, and man, are they dominant. I saw last week uh, they beat Grand Island 60-4. to so maybe get his thoughts on that, the defensive performance, as well as some Husker basketball. Also going to be talking with uh, Mr. Las Vegas himself, Danny Burke, coming right. in for a segment of Burke's Best Bets. You hear him. We don't hear him, but uh, if, you, if you live in the Chicagoland area, you hear him uh, on a, a couple stations around Chicago, actually. He's got a, a TV show and a radio show in Chicago, as well as his work uh, with Musburger's Network down in Vegas. Again, Danny Burke coming up with Burke's Best Bets Tomorrow, before we let you go, got to let you know about our friends over at West Blue Realty. They'll take care of you. Uh, If you're looking to move in 2021, the real estate professionals at West Blue Realty uh, will help you out. So you should give them a call today. Specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities, and they will make sure uh, to help make your next move a smooth one. For a limited time only, you can mention Hale Varsity and West Blue Realty will provide you with up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Um, But if you don't have a home, if you're looking to sell some agricultural land, well, they can handle that too. They have an experienced auctioneer and can handle anything from live auctions, sealed bids, and general land listings. Again, uh, West Blue Realty, give Tom Luby or Kelly Hofschneider a call today, or uh, you can go visit them in person located at 1120 K Street, Suite 200, or you can look them up online at westbluerealty.com. Remember, when you're making that next move, you got to ask yourself, what can West Blue do for you? Well, before we get out of here, we do have a, uh, a Husker women's basketball game on tonight. Husker men's. That's right. Uh, not even close to the bubble, but where do the Husker women stand in the bubble right now? Huskers, they are listed in the next four out currently. This is from ESPN? That's right. ESPN's Bracketology. Taking on Minnesota tonight, 6 p.m. BTN+. Plus. Uh, Minnesota, not very good, so it won't be that good of a win, but you got to take care of business, right? If you lose, uh, not good. So yeah, we'll this would be if, if Amy Williams and co. Uh, can get it done. Uh, this would be... Amy Williams, first time taking this women's team to the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, they're right on the bubble right now. Uh, and, and that'd be all. She's, I mean, after Connie Yori uh, left and then she stepped in, she had a rough first year, had a couple transfers out, lost. Uh, Shepard. Yeah, Jess Shepard. Uh, she went to Southeast. I uh, went to high school with her for like a year and a half, and she was dominant. And she left the Husker basketball program, did some good things at Notre Dame. And I was, I was dubious, but. Amy Williams getting things done with uh, Husker basketball. They're on the bubble. And, uh, man, that'd be awesome to see at least one Husker basketball team in the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, Will, thanks to you for joining us. Damon Barr is in producing tomorrow. I'll be back in as well. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We'll talk to you tomorrow.